On this week's full-time roundup, Euros 24's field take shape, Everton learn their punishment, Messi and co. highlight a slate of South American World Cup qualifying. Plus, Danny and Matt talk about a few more general topics during this international break. Full-time roundup starts right now. And welcome into another full-time roundup. Sunday show recap show for you. I'm of course myself, Matt Gesslin, joined by my co-host Danny Brackett here. A little something different for you guys tonight, with it being international break. We've been talking about a few topics over the past couple of months, Danny and I, through text message. We've of course talked football all the time and wanted to kind of bring a little bit of that to light for you guys here. I know you know there's a lot going on, but we don't want to necessarily cover the international scene until we get to some of the more uh, impactful games and tournaments coming up in the summer. So we want to take this this break, the last break, heading into, again, the Christmas and holiday period. Uh, so we wanted to sh- kind of cover some of those topics that we've been talking about more so this week. So Danny, of course, as always, though, first we got to start with how you're doing. It's a Sunday, gorgeous Sunday, probably one of the most beautiful f- fall, November, late November days you'd get here in the QC. I think it was almost 70 degrees, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, can't uh, can't have Sunday scaries right when it's when it's this nice outside in in late November. Um, I'm completely here for for this weather, and I hope it doesn't change. But you know, with Thanksgiving coming around the corner um, this week, uh, we'll see if the the weather changes as well. But hope you're doing well, um, Matt. Yeah, and shout out, you mentioned the Thanksgiving on Thursday here in America, but there is Thanksgiving in other parts of the world. I believe Canadian Thanksgiving was this week, so shout out to all the folks that celebrate that. Of course, we'll be covering as much as we can, and, and uh, we'll have an episode on Thursday for you guys previewing the fixtures from the domestic cup coming games. Um, but again, like I said, a little different today, but we do want to start with some football, Danny, because there's been a lot going on in the Euros competition. As I said, qualifications is basically done. This is the last window. Tuesday will be the final games for the European process to be qualified for the teams that will represent in the tournament that will be hosted in Germany this summer. Uh, there's a lot going on. 17 teams to date have qualified with some outstanding groups, some big names that are still up in the air as far as whether or not they'll qualify or if they'll have to go to the playoff, uh, which is, you know, of course, always a, a crapshoot. You never know what you're going to get there. So you kind of want to make sure that you get your uh, your your position within the group uh, from the group stage. But there's always an opportunity. So, Danny, any major glaring things? You know, there's ways to look at this tournament. Of course, you have your big top um, favorites. You have the underdogs and the, the good good feel stories that come into play as well. Um, so let's start there. Let's let's hear. Give me your, you know a couple of your favorites, a couple of your you know underdog stories that you're looking forward to, and then maybe try and see of the the teams that haven't qualified yet. What would be the biggest storyline if if someone doesn't does or doesn't make it? Yeah, so I'll give you three favorites, um, and you know most of you um, all can probably guess the three that I'm talking about right now. Um, you got you know England with Harry Kane and, and Jude Bellingham, arguably two of some of the best, if not the two best players in the world right now on one team. But you know England is going to England, as we say, Michelle is going to Charlotte. So they they just can't seem to get across the finish line, but they've they've been there before in the final. So I back them to do well. Obviously, France, they, they put up a 14-burger on Poor Gibraltar 
um, earlier this weekend. Don't know what Gibraltar did to them to deserve that, but uh, they are in rare form. And even if they, some of the some of the players get injured, they just have people right there to, to slot in and, and act like nothing left. And then my third team is going to be Portugal. Um, I like Portugal a lot. Um, they have an insanely good squad. It's really if Roberto Martinez is going to be a front or not. Um, and, you know, he, from what we've seen in the past, it's, it's definitely possible. And then for my underdog, that Belgium really isn't an underdog, so I don't want to pick them. Um, but they look really good under Dominic Tedesco. Um, but I'm going to say, this one's a tough one. I'm going to say Denmark. I like Denmark a lot, and I like Serbia a lot. Those are the two teams that, and Switzerland. I guess I was supposed to name one, but those are the three that, that I like. How about you, Matt? Well, I'm glad that Portugal made it in there. I wasn't sure if you were going to waffle on that choice. Of course, we've talked about that. Daniel's shared his love for the, the Portuguese national team in one of our previous European episodes. So go back and take a listen to that if you're interested in his love for Cristiano Ronaldo and how he thinks he's going to carry Portugal. I'm only giving him a hard time. There's more than that. But uh, I'm glad that they're still in there. Of course, France and England for me as well. Um, keep an eye out for for Belgium, who have looked really good the last couple of weeks uh, in the in the various windows. Of course, they they score five today. Romelu Lukaku has a first half hat trick and just continues to score goals. I think he ended up with fourteen four. in the four four in the game and fourteen for the qualification process. So um, guys putting in the back of the net. You can't count out teams like Spain, um, you know, who of course have talent. So you know, I'll take France and England. I think that's everyone's top two. Of course, don't count on Germany, the host. They're that you know they always have you know an opportunity, and, and their expect expectation as a nation, although they're they're definitely slacking. And um, France, England, Spain, those are my three favorites. And then I liked your pick of Serbia. Serbia has been good. Of course, this is a the first time that they'll participate in a major tournament as Serbia independently. Of course, all the the turmoil they've had over the years, and that's part of the beauty of the European tournament, I think, is at times is some of these nations that haven't been a part of it because things shift or name changes or independence or forum, things like that. I'll, as a sleeper, though, Daniel, I'll take Austria. Um, I think Austria has some some sneaky players that are, you know, on that squad that'll be give some teams a, you know, fearful competition or match. Um, also, don't sleep on Turkey. I've been pretty big on Turkey a little bit over the years. I think they have a, a pretty good, talented roster there as well. So they'll be part of that. But one of the bigger things before we move on, because again, we'll we'll focus and we'll um, hone in more on the Euros as it gets closer in the summer. But it's been a, a whirlwind of a process with qualification. That with that coming to a close, you just want to highlight some of the stories coming out of that. And and one of the big stories, Daniel, is again Italy on the ropes, potentially not going to be an automatic qualifier through the group stage, although they are in pole position for that as they head into this match against Ukraine on Monday. Um, they only need a draw. Ukraine has to win. But do you think Italy, who, of course, won the last edition of this tournament but missed the World Cup, um, do you think that, that Italy will qualify? Now, one caveat about qualification for them in the last one that they did win was also through the playoff system. So could they repeat that again, or do you think that they get the, the, the point that they need on Monday against Ukraine? Ukraine's in good form, um, so it's not going to be a rock in the park. That's that's for sure. But I do think that they will get it done. They started to start purring under Spalletti. 
Um, obviously, Tenali is going to be a big miss for the qualification and the tournament if they make it with the betting charges. He's probably the best midfielder they have other than Barella. Um, but they have other, they have other uh, Italian midfielders who can slot in for them. I like Italy to go through. They could be a sleeper team, but you know they also won the last year, so could does that even qualify as a sleeper team? But there's a couple other uh, ones to hit on. Croatia hosts Armenia. Um, if Croatia doesn't miss this tournament, that would be wild, just considering the last decade of dominance they've had in, in tournaments from the Euros to the World Cup. Um, Czech Republic and Moldova are still alive, um, as well as Slovakia and Kazakhstan. Is there any hot takes you have for the rest of these qualifications or Ukraine and Italy? I do think I agree with you. If, if Croatia were to miss, it would be a huge, huge story. Um, of course, the golden generation of Modric and, and um, you know, what he brought to the table and, and Perisic and all those, you can go down the list of, of players that have been, you know, huge across all of Europe uh, over the last couple of years. And of course, running to a, a semifinal, um, a final in the world cup in the last two. And then of course in the Euros getting, you know, pretty far as well. So it would be, it would be a shocker to me if they're, but uh, of course, golden era has come to an end. It's a small nation. Could you see sustainable, you know, generational, you know, teams like that, who knows, but um, that would be the big surprise to me. I think also Slovakia would be a good one um, just because they're, you know, a lesser known footballing nation would be interesting. Of course, Kazakhstan as well, both of them not predominantly known for, for being heavyweights in the sport, but it would be an interesting dynamic just to see kind of how that could come about and what that would look like for them going forward. Of course, like I said, there are teams that, you know, of that group that you mentioned that are still outstanding, a lot of them could still end up in the tournament with outside shots of, of the, the playoff with Sweden as well. I think with them winning today, they still have an outside shot of advancing um, into the playoff as a third place team in their group. So a lot of things that can be up for, up for um, placement still, and it'll be an interesting round of, of matches on Tuesday that to close out the international break. But, um, you know, real quick, Daniel, staying in Europe before we cover another couple topics on, on qualification and, and games going around. Staying in Europe, though, we did hear all of a sudden from the FA, uh, the, the from not from the FA, excuse me, from Premier League that um, Everton has been docked 10 points, part of an investigation that's been going on around fi financial fair play and and basically accounting practices at the club. And they do get that final 10-point deduction. Of course, Everton has appealed that process. They're looking to potentially have the point reduction reduced down to eight or ultimately waived altogether. Um, is this a big deal? Of course, puts them at four points, 19th place now on the table. Um, but briefly, is this a major concern for Everton's chances of, of staying up this year or just another obstacle that this team has to overcome yeah i mean it's it's a joke honestly um just with the whole if you compare it to the the city ffp rules so i mean it is interesting because everton were charged with one ffp rule and they got 10 points deducted maybe you know a little bit less uh with litigation um city had 115 so I have no idea how that's going to play out. Um, City were, were really not a big club before. Um, was, it, was it Saudis? No, Qataris, right? Qataris. Uh, you know, took over the club. 
a, a while ago and could we see you know trophy stripped could we see a relegation could we see points point no deduction for for several several seasons um a transfer ban the 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 it's endless you know the opportunities are endless there and it's a shame um that everton are kind of in this you know scenario right now i do think they still survive because i think they have a good enough squad and a good enough coach to kind of dig them out of this hole but they they flirted with relegation a lot the last couple of years so maybe this is the year um but every point matters obviously at this stage and they just got to pray that three other teams around them suck that bad. Yeah, you mentioned the other three teams that are just that poor. Of course, add you know add Bournemouth, so the, the bottom four are really that bad. Um, I still think that they do get they do get what they need. Um, if, if any of the season is to take the deduction, take it this year. Um, I think I've been people have been saying that left, right, and center. You've also been hearing a lot of. Um, issue with the timing of the deduction and, and how this all unfolded you know of course if this had happened last year they wouldn't have made it they wouldn't have stayed up and other teams that dropped because of that purpose i think that that argument is a little bit of um i, I understand where it's coming from but it's nothing's going to change so so it's kind of a you know an argument just to hear your own voice a little bit um and to kind of just say that you fought the fight even though you know it's never going to change but it, it, it is interesting, and you mentioned City having 115 violations, and and of course it's been going on for multiple years. This I think at Everton is only dates back to to 2018. I think is when most of this came out, and, and City's dates back to like like you said, almost you know 2002 or three or four in that era when things started to tra transition over there. So it's a it's a different animal. Um, but we'll see what happens. The, you never know what the Premier League is going to come down with, and um, is it a big, big fine? Of course, Chelsea's part of this as well, having self and having self reported. Though I, I think theirs is more of a fine. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. But it is interesting to see that some punishments have started to come down, and that and that some are still kind of outstanding, even though you know investigations take time, and, and you look at them uh, over the course of the you know the process, not just in, the, in a hot minute. 100%. And, and the difference between these two two things is Everton have a limited amount of funds. They've struggled financially for a while now, so this is no surprise. But them coming out with the news, why now? You know, why why don't you announce this before the season? I always find that pretty odd. Um, but the only thing with City is they have unlimited funds, obviously, and they were, they're just going to fight this battle for a long 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 time and kick the can down the road so we'll, we'll see if we'll see if the premier league is willing to actually you know sack up and, and do something um but it should be something to look out for um because obviously all these players are going to probably jump ship if something were were to come down um and i one of our followers of the show tweeted out and he basically compared this to Everton got arrested for like shoplifting, and I threw my own side of what this compares to with City. City like committed like genocide or something. Like it's like, come on, guys, really. Um, so I, it's pretty annoying that Everton are getting a slap on the wrist and nothing continues to happen to City. But we'll, you know, you never know. There's going to be increasing pressure on uh, the the powers that be to to kind of crack down on city. So we'll see how that works out. 
Yeah, it's a story that we'll keep an eye out for. Of course, there's a lot that will transpire here, and, and um, there's plenty of great people reporting on all these stories across wherever you listen and wherever you get your news from. In the sports world, we won't touch on that. We're not journalists, but it's just an interesting dynamic to see the difference in the way teams are treated and, and all the all the plays into it. But um, not, do yet. You wanna, not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> part of the, some of the silence <laughs> is part of that, right? I mean, that is kind of part of. Uh, some of the the prolonging of the punishment but um you know again we'll see what happens but wanting to keep things on the field like i mentioned there's there's um some qualification for for the world cup daniel uh, as if teams are really going to need that at some point given how big of a field we're going to have and and where it's going to take place and um, we can get into that again more more along the lines of a different time different place with saudis i believe confirming to be the host for 2034 um, since we last spoke about it. So it does look like that tournament has been awarded. And, and um, you know, of course, we all knew that that was coming with the the way that things were set up for come about a whole host three games. And then, um, you know, the, sh the tournament shifting and, and being set up in Africa and Europe. So but there, like I said, some games were played that uh, will be played in South America, which is where we saw some of the best games of the weekend. Daniel, I'm not sure if you saw uh, Argentina versus Uruguay the other day, which was an absolute classic. One of the fiercest rivalries in South America, of course, as well. Uh, played at the Bombabera, which was absolutely rocking um, in, in Buenos Aires. And the game delivered intensity-wise, but the fans went home disappointed. It's Uruguay got the surprising result, Daniel. 2-0. First time that Argentina, or second game in 52 games, I believe that Argentina have lost. Um, any takeaways from this, or you know, what was just your general thought? I I thoroughly enjoyed watching this from start to finish. I could watch more of this week in week out. Do not sleep on Bielsa Ball, and I mean he's a brilliant manager. We've seen managers from all walks of life, you know, chime in about their thoughts on how good of a coach Marcelo Bielsa is. He hasn't gotten the accolades needed to be arguably one of the best coaches of all time, but his practices have been copied and followed. And, and you know, he has a lot of disciples. So it's good to see Uruguay is the perfect team to set up in that Bielsa Ball mentality. I mean, Darwin Nunez, is he's really helped Darwin Nunez uh, become a better player. Um, honestly, probably has developed him more than, than Jurgen Klopp has, which is kind of, I guess, a hot take, but I don't know. I we, I love Carnival. It's so fun. You know, it gets really intense. I feel like there is a lot more. I think everyone's kind of settled down, but like... Yeah, it's a little bit less, a little best, less formal in South America, and in Europe, it's it. very much like we're going through the process. This is just how we have to do things, but in South America, it's very, very much, I still want to murder your children type of thing. Yeah, I mean, we got... Uh, Who's we got Ugar talking shit to DePaul about Messi? Like, so funny. There's Messi so choking somebody. I mean, there was just, it, you could feel it. The tension that was in the stadium was, and the, the fans were into it. Uh, yeah, there's something about, you know, Latin America and, and football that's just, it, it feels a little different, um, not just in, in South America, but of course, Central America, the same feeling when you play some of those big matchups in Mexico and in other nations. So like, it's just a it feel, I would love to get down there for a match and watch, uh, you know, one of, one of the big, the big classicos um, down there would be fantastic. I've heard stories where the away fans have to stay in the stands for 45 minutes to make sure that they can get home safe. Like just stuff that you don't really hear about in anywhere other 
any other part of the world. And, and of course, some of the most beautiful football you'll ever see. You mentioned Uruguay and, and just how good of a fit uh, Bielsa is for them. On the flip side, Danny, there is real trouble um, brewing in, in Brazil. They do not have a manager that fits their style of play right now. They lose to Colombia, of course, a great story. Um, David uh, uh, Luiz um, getting both goals in this one. Of course, his father in attendance after just being released from being in, being a hostage uh, from gorillas. Um, so that you know, motion pouring and in that stadium as well. And but the bigger story, I think, from from you know, on the field is that Brazil lose again, and they also lose one of their key players. Um, Daniel Vinicius Jr. goes down with a, a hamstring injury that it sounds like is pretty serious for him. Yeah, no, it's uh, going to be really interesting. And, you know, we, we mentioned Carlo Ancelotti is going to eventually take over this team. So he'll have maybe a little bit of a, a bigger hole to climb out of. But Feel like when you got such a talented squad like Brazil, it, I feel like it wouldn't be that hard, you know, to get them clicking. You kind of just say, "All right, lads, you know, go do your thing out there." But they are not playing good right now. Um, so, you know, they're missing Neymar, obviously, which is they're been their captain for however long. Um, so that's probably a understated miss. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see once. I mean, are they going to fire this coach and get like an interim to kind of like bridge them to Carlo Ancelotti? We'll, we'll see, and we'll probably have a better knowledge of that uh, next uh, international window. But uh, very surprising from Brazil. Yeah, you mentioned the manager. If he gets sacked, of course, they play a pretty big matchup on Tuesday night, which I will thoroughly be waiting and enjoying salivating to watch Brazil Argentina. Uh, in Maracanã, I mean, how much bigger can you get? And and that's going to be a fantastic match. Uh, Brazil currently sit fifth in the table. Of course, six automatic qualifiers in Comabal. Uh, Argentina sit atop the table. So this is going to be, could Brazil, could Argentina wipe the floor with Brazil is the question, um, Daniel. And then, then from that point, questions really do ask. But I still feel comfortable. I think Brazil, of course, is going to qualify ultimately in the end. It's just yeah. one of those times where, you know, it's you expect them to be first the entire way and maybe – Maybe they come second, um, or they get first in the last the last window. But I still think they're comfortable. But Carlo Ancelotti will be a huge, you know, uh, turnaround when that happens. If that happens, there's been rumors of him may, maybe changing of heart and not actually taking the job. So we'll see what happens there. But um, you know, of course, Daniel, one of the things that you and I have talked about before, and we actually brought it up last episode briefly, uh, is just the quality of a manager and how important that is. You've alluded to a couple of really you know, important managers in the game as well here with Carlo Ancelotti, who for my money is the most recognized, is the most, is the greatest manager maybe of all time, the way, what he's achieved and, and, you know, where he's done it uh, everywhere. He's won it in every league. He's won champions league. He's won basically everything except for at the international stage, which is why I think this Brazil, Brazil job interests him. But who right now in the game, and we could talk about it as domestic or even broader international as well. Yeah, anyone. Are the top five managers in the sport right now, in your opinion? All right. And this will be, you know, ranked, but just know obviously the top five, it's pretty damn close, right? So number one for me is, and I hate to say it, Pep Guardiola. Um, number two, Jurgen Klopp. Number three, Carlo Ancelotti, like you mentioned, just so many accolades, and he just he he he's an older manager too, and he's adapted the entire way. 
Um, so crazy, crazy stuff. Um, and number four, I'm gonna go with Xavi Alonso. I, I love him so much, and it is a very small sample size, but what he's doing right now at Leverkusen can't be understated. Um, and uh, I guess we'll really see once he gets a big, big job, but I'm very bullish on his future. And then number five, gosh, this is so tough. Um, probably, probably Thomas Tuchel, honestly. Um, he, he's a very good tactical manager. He's, went, he's won everywhere he's gone. Um, and uh, I can't really fault him for, you know, I'm trying to think of if there's anyone I missed, but I feel like that's a that's a solid top five. That is that is a solid top five. I've, I do appreciate and respect that you went all domestic club managers and that. I will have a few international managers in mind. Um, I do believe Pep Guardiola, though, is the best manager in the world, no matter what. Of course, unlimited resources, best players, however you want to define that. He still does it, and he builds teams, and they win, and that's all he does. He wins everywhere he goes. He's done it. Um, and that won't continue to change anywhere he does go in the future. Um, Jurgen Klopp, I definitely agree with you, is, is up there, one of the better minds in the game, just the way he can get teams positioned, the passion he, he manages with, and the way that his players feed off of that. We've talked about that when um, you guys had that big win earlier in the year, that, that Liverpool moment. Um, that comes from him, that that mentality and, and just that approach, um, and that passion comes from him. Um, this is kind of where I change a little bit. I'm going to go Didier Deschamps, uh, French national team manager, of course, a uh, World Cup winner, uh, you know, finalist, then the following World Cup. Of course, in the Euros, a little disappointing, but still made a decent run, and so you can't really diminish the credit that, that he's taken there. Carlo Ancelotti, for me as well, uh, four, um, and again, these guys can all be interchanged between one and five, so just take that for what it's worth. Um, yeah. We mentioned about it, though. He's won every top league in Europe. Um, and, and some multiple times. He's won the Champions League multiple times. Everything you can be, Copa del Rey, or, or whatever domestic cup he was in at that nation, uh, he, he's won. Um, and then number five for me is the reigning World Cup champion. And again, their record has spoken for themselves of, of late, Lionel Scalini uh, from, from Argentina. So, you know, they're... Wow. There's a, there's a lot a of good managers thing. out there. Well, I mean, he, you know, you don't see a lot of the, the international guys much, right? It's not as... Um, common or or in the in the spotlight as domestic because they're not playing all the time. But you look at Argentina's record under him, and of course they don't lose um, very often. And he's won a World Cup in the last calendar year, so um, hard to hard to throw the That's that fair. guy at the water. So I'll take those five any day of the week. But I do respect your five as well. I think they're all that we could have made this list twenty names, thirty names. There's so many great managers out there, um, men, women. Uh, you know, on the women's side, there's some great managers as well that we could have touched on and then, um, you know, more coming up the ranks. So it's a, it's an awesome time to be having a discussion of who's the best managers, um, uh, you know, that, that those ultimately dictate and drive the teams that we watch. So um, it's good. It's always good to see more fun, exciting um, football coming in through the ranks. I actually really like to do this. Just don't pick. Um I, I, I do have to agree with him. He might edge out Thomas Tuchel now that you mentioned it. <laughs> but I'll, I'll keep Thomas Tuchel in there. But I, I did like what you had to say about both uh, Scaloni and, and Didier Deschamps. Now, let's switch to best player right now. 
Um, I'll, I'll let you go first because you got the hot hand right now. You don't have to do them in order, but your top. Yeah, five not in order. That's too difficult. That would be too difficult. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you got to put Kylian Mbappe in the list. Uh, Erling Holland in the list. I mean, basically the Ballon d'Or list right now is the best players in the world, right? For argue's sake, but Jude Bellingham for me is in there right now. Just what he's been doing, playing out of his mind. Um, of course, Lionel Messi continues to deliver both domestically and then, of course, maybe lesser league now at MLS, but he still has it. You can still see it. He's probably five. If I have to keep a, a, a permanent place, I'd probably stick him at five. Um, so what do I have? One left. Um, man, that's tough because there's Harry Kane. I mean, how, how can you leave him out? So that's my top five players right now. Um, what did I say? Kylian Mbappe, Harry Kane, Messi. Uh, Jude. Jude. Do I need one more? In Holland. And Holland, yeah, yeah, I'll take those five. I, you could throw an Antoine Griezmann as well in there for me too, but um, yeah, those are my five. Um, I'm gonna try to be a little bit different from you, but it's hard to, you know, it's hard, it's hard because it's the best down. players in the world, it right? Is. You know, it's yeah. Um, I'm gonna go obviously Mbappe, um, Jude, Kane, Griezmann. And for my fifth player, I'm going to have to do a homer pick here, Mohamed Salah. Um, he's just how he just adapts year out, year in, year out, and just continues to just pump goals in and, and assist. And I, I mean, I feel like it hasn't been like an amazing season for him. And he still has so many goal contributions. That's just how good he is. And I feel like when you're a player like Messi and, and these players who just score all the time these ridiculous numbers just become normalized and they're not appreciated as much so i, I wanted to throw muhammad salah in um but you could also you know throw in my honorable mention would be like probably leroy sane um he's been fantastic yeah there's just so many names and and muhammad salah has been continues to deliver again for liverpool this year how can you really take him away from that and he delivered as well for egypt having a hat trick i think i saw the other day so just continues to, to deliver both home and abroad um the one thing though daniel i wanted to touch on before we wrap up here it's a little bit shorter episode tonight but one one topic that i do want to get your thoughts on and it's a nice segue from the top players because unfortunately none of those players were listed that we mentioned were u.s born players um and i want to take a few minutes to just chat i know we've briefly touched on this but with the with the international break going on we saw the u.s play trinidad and tobago on thursday um and have a difficult time. Was it Friday, Thursday or Friday? Have a difficult time um, breaking them Thursday. down. Thursday. Um, did ultimately get the win, a 3 0 win. Uh, they play the second leg on Monday down in Trinidad. Uh, basically, the, the team that, um, if we advance, we get a, an automatic berth into Copa America tournament, which will be next summer, hosted in the United States as well. But I think, Daniel, there's a bigger conversation that needs to be had with the men's national team. We, we talked about it when Greg Berhalter came back and, and took over that job. And we, we wanted to see some things that we – I don't know if we have yet. Um, I, I still think that this team has a lot of growing up to do, whether that's coach-related or not. There's still steps that, this, that we have to take as a footballing nation to get to where we want to go. I think we're a much better place than we were 10, 15, 20 years ago. Some of the most talented kids in the pool that we have ever seen, but they aren't really taking that next step and shining in the global stage yet. Like some of these other youngsters are and, and being those 
uh, you know, and it's hard because that's not how the first thought is in, in our nation to be a Jude Bellingham or the future Messi or the future Kylian Mbappe. But until the United States can produce players of that quality, I still think they will always be in that second tier of, of players against the bigger countries that we strive to be and, and, and ultimately to be sitting at that table. I don't, I don't think that the United States, although ranked 10th or what top 10 in the world, belongs at that top 10 seat, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, and, and it was a very interesting. I mean, we, we said the second leg, so there's still conclusions we can derive from at the at the end of the, the break. But with with some key injuries, especially you know Christian Pulisic and and Tim Weah, no doubt, um, no doubt, our, no doubt. That's our that's our two starting wingers, right? So it's like, okay, who is going to to step up here? Who, who's because I feel like it's pretty shady. At the winger and pretty we lack depth there that's probably the the position we lack depth probably the most um and you see greg start kevin paredes who's started you know flourishing a little bit at wolfsburg and then you saw um malik tillman on the other side who's had a fantastic season so far with with psb and and neither really really took their their chance honestly but the whole issue i had with the trinidad Trinidad and Tobago game was with lacking wingers. Obviously, you want to give players a shot, but you could have mixed up the formations. Like Greg is a one-trick pony, in my opinion. He can only play his four-three-three system, and that's all. And when you want to challenge in tournaments, you got to be tactically flexible. And like players are going to drop down, and it's not always just plug and play. So I would like to see a three-five-two um, with with more wingback style and, and Pepe and ball gun up top but i also i don't think it's a coincidence that Malik tillman has been on fire for psv and then he comes to the national team plays out of position and puts a stinker performance i don't think that's a coincidence i mean maybe the spotlight got to him but it's for that today like he should be just destroying these guys and i just think that greg is holding this team back like we've had this conversation a million times um so it'll be interesting i think it's really annoying how we played 10 men for, you know, 45 minutes and waited to the 82nd minute to score a first goal. Obviously, it's kind of a race because we end up putting two more in the back of the net and it finishes 3-0. But this should have been 7-8, like disrespectful score lines. And we're at home, for God's sake. So not satisfied with the result, not happy with how we played, not happy with Greg. Gun continues to, you know, not play very well. I think Pepe should get the start. Um, and this reverse fixture, maybe that's a hot take. I don't think it is. But I'd like to see Greg flex his tactical muscles, if he has any, and try something new. Yeah, I'm getting very concerned that Greg doesn't have tactical um, skills and, and also doesn't necessarily have the best managerial skills. Um, we saw, of course, getting dust, a little dust up of uh, Florian Balogun at, at one point in the last window. Uh, on the sideline at, at halftime, you mentioned, you know, does that kind of take away some of what he's been offering and showing on the field? And, uh, you know, Ricardo Pepe has something to prove, of course, without being on that selected that World Cup roster by Greg and has come in and just continues to score goals when he gets a chance to play. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's a huge shout. I think it's a mismanagement of talent. I think you're looking at a bigger picture from Greg's perspective is he's not molding these young guys to be what they could be and getting the best out of them. And um, that's that's concerning because, like I said, at the beginning of this conversation, we're not just, we're not producing 
raw, talented players that are going to take over the world of football. And so we need development. We need at, either at the, at the national rank or collegiate rank or um, youth rank to have better better management of, of players and talent and, and um, getting them to be ready to – I mean, look, the, the whole argument is – I watched the U.S. versus France U-17 World Cup match on Saturday, and there was not one player on either team that really flashed at me. Now, granted, that's you know U-17 versus U-15 kids, and and you're. But they're, they're, for Chivas, uh, I guess he didn't play really. But he didn't play. He kind of came at the on the bench. But my point is, uh, Zaire Emery is, is 17 years old and just bypasses this tournament and is dominating at PSG. And when he plays for the national team, the men's senior squad he scores so why and when are we going to start producing 17 year olds that are ready to do exactly that you look at you mean lamina mall for for spain as well with barcelona not a small club he's not just going in and and learning the ropes and the chops he's at 16 17 years old he's going into the biggest club team in the world and shining like it's time for our our youth youth team system to start producing talent like that and i think my point is until we don't get that then we're going to be struggling with teams like Trinidad and Tobago and and the rest of CONCACAF and and then when we go to big tournaments we'll you know we'll get out of the group stage because we have the talent to do that no doubt about that but the 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 ceiling there is a ceiling for this squad is is where I'm worried about and I think there's you know we need to take a step as a as a federation to get stronger and and be more assertive in the sport if we really want to do this the right way and you know a lot of people are saying oh 2026 we got to get to the semifinal or the final I think it's a rude awakening if, if you look at this roster and how this team is played. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you said there are levels to this, right? You know, in America, there's soccer probably fourth, fifth on the on the sports. No doubt. Chart. No doubt. Maybe not even top five. Some would argue. I would argue it's becoming a top five, if not. Um, but there are there are signs. I think I think that European clubs who are starting to put up um, academies in the U.S. and start snatching talent up and having them come abroad um, at a young age, like you know Christian Pulisic, and and you know that happened to him. So the openness and development of that is exciting because the more we have, it was sucks to say, but the more uh, Americans we have developing in Europe under you know the the good football principles, the better we are. Um, so. It's, it's a top-down approach in how we teach young kids about football. But we have such a cool opportunity in you know next year with Copa America and in the World Cup. Soccer fever is going to be a thing. MLS is growing. So I'm not – I mean, obviously, I'm, I don't think we're going to have a Lamina Mall or Zaire Emery just, like, magically appear. I think that takes hundreds of years to get there, and we are very behind everyone else but our our um we've rapidly improved while we have had national team and so i i am positive for the future now i'm not gonna tell you that we're gonna make it to the semifinals in the world cup because i don't think we are but i think we this is such a good opportunity for us to grow and understand and hey this is the benchmark right we don't France doesn't have to be the benchmark. You know, like a Dutch team, an Italian team who like is frisky can be can be the benchmark, right? So we gotta just change how we think, how we develop, and I don't know. Uh, I think we'll get there one day. Me and you might not be alive to see that, 
but I think one day we will get there. Yeah, and I, I completely echo your sentiment. You know, again, this is the most talented, and and we're developing, and it's improving year over year. You see it, you know, very quickly. But um, would love to see it. it just selfishly improve faster. Three hundred thirty million people. There's got to be eleven people out there that can play this sport um, at that at that highest level. And at some point, that that'll happen. And I hope that's the case in our lifetime. Contrary uh, to what you said, and probably a little bit of of belief in that myself. But um, Daniel, like I said, we wanted to touch on things for the, the folks, the listeners, um, but also we love doing this for ourselves. And some of these are the conversations that we have on a daily basis with each other. And um, with it being an international break, I thought it was a good time to talk about some of these topics versus just honing in on on X's and O's and score lines and stats and um, you know games that we don't necessarily see as as important as uh the weekly fixtures in the domestic league and then like i said of course what these qualifications and tournaments lead into is very important uh and we will cover them in the process and, and proper um uh, time that they need in in june um as well as qualifying for world cup as it gets closer but uh again if you've listened this far we really appreciate it i wanted to change it up a little bit different for you guys but uh, that doesn't mean that we cannot uh, hear from you and listen to what you guys want to hear us say and talk about. You can follow us and interact and be part of the conversation on X at Full Time Roundup. You can interact with Danny directly at Liverpool CLTFC. You can reach out to me at Life of M- Life of Gesslin uh, on X, and of course, download, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five star rating; it goes a long way. And we will see you in the next roundup. <laughs>